hear people say a lot that God told them to do something or God led them to do something. And to be honest with you, Dad, I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I doubt that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm skeptical. Yes. And here's why. We actually see this in Exodus chapter 3. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ways that we can tell whether God is leading someone, somebody somewhere. We're going to see that today yeah. in chapter 3. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And I'll go ahead and get started. Verse 1. So it's Exodus 3, verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, which was Ruel, which that we saw last week, but yesterday. But Jethro here, so evidently... Not the Beverly Hillbillies. He had, yeah. <laughs> I think most people listening have no clue what the Beverly Hillbillies even really? was anymore. Oh, yeah, um, yes. You know, I, what is that, like We 60s? had you listening to the 60s black and white TV shows when yeah. you were a kid. That's how you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush, which is you know, just a phenomenal you know, sight to, be, to just envision this. Mm-hmm. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And we do see this as a theme in scripture that a lot of times when God appears or does something, it is he takes the form of fire. Because mm-hmm. you see that with the burning bush later on in Exodus, the of we'll the see law. that. Yeah, the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. We see that in Pentecost mm-hmm. when it says that licks of fire appeared above yeah. those that the Holy Spirit had entered. And so this does become a theme throughout scripture with fire, the having, fire of God. Having to do the presence of God, yeah. yes. So when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And I mean, that would be a little bit freaky. I'd have been running. But here I am, (laughs) Moses replied. Here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So, you know, he says, I'm the God of your father, which, which does mean then that the belief in Yahweh and the worship of Yahweh, at least to some degree, had been passed on through the generations because he does identify himself as Moses's father, which would have been many generations removed from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he says that, that I am Yahweh. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, which Moses saw as well. He says, I, I like you, I've seen this. I've heard their cities, their, their, their cities. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now, this is wild because the, the Israelites have been in Egypt for, I believe it was like 420 yeah. years yeah. or something along those lines. It's been a long, long time. time. I mean, longer than the United States has been around. Yeah, that's all they have known. So yeah. it's not, maybe there were still some stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that were, but these would have been just legendary yeah. to them. It, that it wasn't anything that they would have known and could even conceive of. Yeah. All they knew was enslavement and all they knew was the desert land of Egypt. To us, it'd be like before George Washington. Yeah, you know? yeah. So he says, but I'm going to take them out and give them a fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. 
Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You want to pick up there in yeah. verse 12? And and let me just point this out too, because it, it was the hook. Yeah. How do you know? How can, like, what's a surefire way to know that God is leading us somewhere? It's where we don't want to go. Yeah. It's, it, and it's the same thing when like it says that Jesus was led in, into the wilderness yeah. to fast. It's not something somewhere you want to go. And usually when we hear people say, God's leading me here, it's like, no, that's where you want it, to it's go. Something, yeah. And and that's fine. If like, if that God opened up a door and, and you can go there, then go. But like, don't, don't tag God's name to that because that's somewhere you want to go. Yeah, it's okay to do what you want to do. And, and the fact of the matter is God's direct leading like this, where people actually hear from God, there was such a rarity in scripture some of the some of the skepticism that I have is it just feels a bit presumptuous and arrogant to say that even though there were only a few people throughout the thousands of years that the scripture was written, only a few people that God actually spoke to directly, I am one of those people now that God is speaking to directly. And you know, I do believe that because we have the Holy Spirit in us, that we have this sense, this inner sense where we can feel God nudging us. But I, but God's primary means of leading us is through his word, that if we just follow the principles of God's word and do what he's already told us to do in his word, all of those these things are going to take care of themselves. But I, I kind of cringe when I hear people say something like, well, God's leading me. It's like the guy who said to his girlfriend, God's leading me to break up with you. I mean, that poor girl. Why not just say, I don't want to date you anymore. Just be honest about it. Poor yeah. girl's like, well, was God breaking up with me? Yeah. Or I've heard. We use guys as a shield. Well, God's leading me away from uh, this church. Uh, uh, really? I mean, is that that's, that's what you're going to say? Yeah. Why not just say I've made the decision and be honest about it instead of trying to become. Yeah. that? That's my attitude. I'm sorry. Right. But you're exactly right. Because in scripture, whenever God spoke directly to someone, Jonah is another example here. It was always to get them to do something that they didn't want to do. And oftentimes, even in this case with Moses, yeah, he had to coerce them right. into doing it. Well, and I think of like some of the, pa- we, we as a church, we pay the salaries of, of several pastors in Africa. Yeah. And some of these pastors will talk and be like, I feel led into this community. And that's a community that will put them in jail. Yeah. There's one pastor we're paying their, his salary and he's sitting in, in prison yeah. right now. And so in those cases, I'm like, you know what? I believe you, bro. I totally believe you because you don't want to go and that's going to cause some pain, but you are going to go because you feel led. That speaks volumes. And I, I don't want to beat this as a dead horse, but uh, I, the, the third commandment, I think, is a commandment for a reason or second commandment. That is that that is that we're not to take the name of the Lord, our God, in vain and that commandment is actually we are not to attach God's name to things that are according to our own desires and wishes. And so I I mean I my life is all about just really wanting to do what God wants. But it's going to be very rare for you to ever hear me say God's leading me to do this. I may may say something more like I'm sensing God's moving us in this direction or God has done this for us because I do want to give God glory for everything. But at the same time, he also wants us to take responsibility for our decisions. 
and not put everything on him. All right, we've, yeah. we've been talking about this enough. Let's get on. God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Mm. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now we see that I am mm-hmm. and elsewhere in scripture, but specifically yeah. when Jesus was on trial, yeah. he says, I am. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I've been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from the oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and tell them and tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let go unless a mighty hand forces him. Hmm. So I will raise. So God's plan was to ultimately take them to this promised land and for them never to return to Egypt. But he's going to start in small doses by yeah. saying, Pharaoh, let us go out into the wilderness for three days, and knowing that he's not going to allow them and that will eventually lead to their release. Yeah. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. And it's amazing how all this is going to be fulfilled because it is a bit unbelievable when he tells Moses this at this time. We'll pick it up in chapter 4 then tomorrow and right. uh, but in the meantime we are in proverbs 12 right proverbs 12 so proverbs 12 i you know i love verse i mean a lot a lot of scriptures here are great but verse 11 and I encourage you to read the whole thing cuz there's a lot of practicality in this entire chapter but verse 11 hard work means prosperity only fools idle away their time and that is part of the judeo christian ethic that i think that the, the it was known as the protestant ethic work ethic that that was brought to America in the early establishment of this country, that that Protestant work ethic was a return that was lost during the medieval years. It was a return to biblical values that is God created us to be workers, that God is a worker. We were created after his image. Work is not part of the curse. Work is a good thing. We find great fulfillment in work. There's so many health benefits that come from hard work. And here we have this general principle that says, hey, listen, if you want any kind of prosperity in your life, it's it, it it's going to come by hard work. If you want success, you've got to work hard. Yeah. And so that's what he says. Hard work means prosperity. Only fools idle away their time. Right. And that's a temptation. Idling away time is a, I think it's a temptation for all of us. And it's easy in the Western world that we live today because it's so easy to waste time. Yeah. Especially with social media now. Yeah. And so he, he's telling us now, if you really want to make something out of your life, if you if 
If, if you idle away your time, you're going to be nothing. And 30 years from now, you're going to look back at your life and you're going to see just a lot of wasted years. Well, my favorite, one of my favorite feelings, dad, and I feel like I chase this feeling every day is my favorite feeling is when I sit down on the couch late in the evening mm-hmm. and it's been a long day of hard work, not yeah. mental hard work, but you know, in the office, but then mm-hmm. trying to come home and house project or mowing or something like that. And to sit down and just go, wow, got a ton today, yeah. ton done today. I got like a half hour here. This feels so good to just sit down. And I do think that it is that hard physical work as well as hard mental work is a great prescription for a lot of the mental health issues that we face today, yeah. whether it be depression or worry and anxiety and a multitude of other things that sometimes it's the most practical things that bring about the greatest amount of help that is following through in these biblical principles that do something really worthwhile with your time. And it's not just a distraction, though that's part of it. It's not just a distraction, but it's the productive use of the mind and the body is good for the soul. Right. All right. Well, it is October 12th. This actually kind of goes with the proverb. Today is National Farmers Day. All right. So, love farmers. Yeah. Man, you I know, love well, farmers. <laughs> growing up, I grew up in Wisconsin. Yeah. In our church, we had farmers. Yeah. I don't know if we have any. Well, they, they actually <laughs> dwindled church. over time, even in Wisconsin, because the farming industry changed from the family farm to corporate farms. Sure. But even, even those that work in corporate farms and run corporate farms, I mean, th- these, these are the salt of the earth people that they, they feed the world. These are yeah. guys that work hard and they, they know so much about so many things just to keep a farm operating. You got to know business, you got to know machinery, yeah. you got to know biology with uh, the planting, plants yeah. work. And I mean, Weather. I, I've got a tr- weather. I've got a tremendous amount of respect for farmers. I, yeah. I love them. Yeah. Maybe the way to to celebrate Farmers Day today is make a plan, maybe for you or if you have a family with your family, to just go to like a pumpkin patch this yeah. weekend or something like that. I, that's one of my favorite <laughs> things good. to do with my kids. Is, you know, just drive up north just a little bit, go to pumpkin patch for a few hours, and hang out around a farm. Well, and something I've gotten away from. When you were a kid, we used to do this. Uh, maybe you remember it, but. I, I used to like to pray when we pray for meals to thank God for the people that produce this food for us yeah. because other people are doing this for us that get it ready for the marketplace or right. the grocery store. Very so true. yeah, I think taking your kids to a farmer's market or a pumpkin patch or something like that would be beneficial. And then when you pray today, thank God for the men and women who worked hard to produce that food for you. That's right. All right. Make it a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.